First things first, Todd, how are you? I'm a little tired, you know, the travel, jet lag, but I'm home and happy to be home for a couple of weeks. And then we'll be doing fly dates every week for the next couple few months. So, yeah, doing things around the house. <laughs> how different is life at home versus life on the road for you? Um, well, on the road, whether it's on a tour bus or just flying, it's, um, there's always noise. So there's always, if you're in an airport, if you're, um, you know, you're in a vehicle traveling with the band, you're backstage, you're, there's always sound and things going on. When I'm home, it's very peaceful and very quiet. And so it's, you know, night and day. It's like you could hear a pin drop. And it's it's just very peaceful and quiet at home. And being out, you know, you, I get like sensory overload. There's too sure. much stimulation going on in my ears that it's it can it can drive you crazy sometimes. Well, I find this interesting because if we think about uh, the time when you got into music when you were really young, did it help with with kind of all those those impulses that you that you had something to focus on and. Especially as a drummer, I can see the other way as well, that, that it's too much noise sometimes. So so what did playing music do for you? Well, I mean, it's always a great escape. It's a great therapy. It's a great release. It's great for the creative mind, um, you know. And so even if there's like a lot of chaos happening, which, you know, you see people with their earbuds in and that there's still sound coming in, but it's not from all these different places sure. it's a focused one thing that the, is going into their ears but you know it's just like being in a in an environment where there's 10 conversations going on and you you hear it and you're picking out little words and pieces from different various conversations even though you're not a part of them it's just it's like chaos you know it's a lot of a lot of stuff going on so sure. music while it's still sound going into your to your head it's a focused thing um, so it's kind of just the random scattered sounds that are happening when you're, when you're out on the road, you know, it's, it's, you know, people moving gear and wheels making noise with cases and then conversations and then a phone call and then doors shutting and, you know, that kind of thing. So music is, is always a great kind of escape from all that stuff. It's interesting that you say that because I can remember ever since I was 12 or something, I always had a Walkman, Discman, whatever it was, and headphones just so you can kind of go into yeah. your own world a, a little for bit. For sure, yeah. What's for you, in, in this case, is, is it then, was music always kind of the, the, how should I put this, the creative, was there a creative uh, force behind it where you wanted to write yourself initially or was it always just, just, appreciation of music early on um probably an appreciation at first you know and then you know as i learned to play basic stuff on guitar as a kid as a young person and then <clears throat> getting into drums and understanding oh here comes that verse again and then you start learning basic song structure and you can start to predict when the drum fills coming in, when it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is a, a change is happening. And then you start saying, Oh, well, you know, 
you're playing around on your guitar and you're like, okay, well, this could be like a little intro. And then here comes the beginning of the song. And then you start hearing songs creating in your head. And then you're like, oh, I let me try to materialize this idea. Back then I was using a four track recorder mm -hmm. and, you know, and so, yeah, you just start doing things that way. And then you listen to songs and you're like, uh, I would have done this, you know, how you might hear how you would have changed something. Um, and then there's, there's the songwriter is developing in you as an artist. And then, um, you know, and then you're where we are, you know, you're right. just another person that's trying that creates music and, um, so yeah, it's, it's always, you know, the appreciation obviously first and just kind of, you're letting your, your ears and mind be a sponge to all this music that's coming in and, and making sense of it to where like a, a piece of music might seem like, Oh, I don't, it's just all this stuff. But then when you start learning arrangements, it's just like a math problem. Okay, well, we're going to solve this part first, and then we're going to touch this part and this part. Next thing you know, here's this whole formula equals something, you know. Right. And that's kind of how I view how I view that. I mean, like like anything. I mean, wow, that that building's huge. What if I were to if I were to build that building? Well, it's still concrete block. It's still drywall. There's just more of it. It's just more <laughs> square feet, but the principles are the same. In many, in many cases, you know, I'm kind sure. of generalizing here, but, you know, if you just take it in palatable bite-sized pieces and break it down, right? Like I see a guitar in the background, so you play and guitar. I do also have a piano, so I'm, I'm trying to learn the piano now. And I, I see what you mean. If you cut the hands into pieces and just bar by bar, there's there's certain uh, patterns yeah. that you can recognize. And... Right. And so you say, okay, well, this, this guitar solo or this piano piece let me take the little beginning and okay, now this hand, now the next section, next thing you know, you're playing, mm, you know, right. you're, you're figuring out this otherwise complicated thing, but you just take it in pieces. Now this process of songwriting, I find it very interesting because obviously uh, you've been in multiple bands before uh, Queenstrike, but then in 2021, you also released a solo album. So I can imagine Working on a solo album, it's very different than, than working uh, with a band. So for you as a songwriter, what was it like uh, kind of uh, juggling the two? Or, or what were the biggest kind of differences between the two? Well, you know, in, in Queensryche, in a band situation, you're dealing with five people in the band and five opinions. Mm -hmm. And the, the positive to that is you're getting great ideas from multiple sources. And so if you have a writer's block or you're stumped on something and you're not really sure where to go, hey, check this out. I don't know where to go from here. Help me get out of this. Where where would this next what should the next key or chord be? Oh, let me let me play with that. Next thing you know, you know, you've got this these guys working together as a team. That's awesome. The other side of that, um, working on a solo record, it was me and Craig, my friend Craig. Um, yes, you are limited on the input from various people, but when you have an idea that you really like, you just put a stamp on it and it's done. Mm -hmm. Nobody, There's nobody else there to go, ah, I don't really like that. When you really like it, you're like, 
that's how I want it to go. Um, you know, doing doing an, a record on your own, you you cut out all of the other opinions because they they're not there, and so you just get to do entirely what you want to do. So there's a there's a positive side to to that too. Um, you know, they both have their their pros and cons, um, and and I like them both for different reasons. You know, that my I could say I could say my I could say that my solo record was much easier to write and record and, and be done like way faster. But also I don't have, you know, a, a, a discography behind me. Mm. I could do whatever I want with nobody saying, well, that doesn't sound like whatever I can do whatever I want. And so I think with Queensryche, you say, eh, that's not really kind of our style. We should, you know, so I think that, um, that also played a role in why I could do whatever I want. And it didn't really matter that I had to please like a Queensryche fan base, for example. I mean, hopefully they like it, but I, I didn't write it trying to sound like Queensryche, obviously. So that wasn't even in my mind. I just wanted to write songs I wanted to write. And that's what Craig and I did. So that's, that also kind of expedites the, the analysis. Sure. And I find it interesting. So, very quickly before I, I continue on this, uh, was it important for you to to do that solo record? Because I can imagine when you have something where you can kind of express those thoughts and uh, the, that creativity, then it's easier to get back to with the band and and <clears throat> kind of join that in in a in a fruitful fashion. Yeah, I mean, there's things that you know I would want to do musically, vocally, sure, lyric, not even not really lyrically, but just musically and vocally did you that, drum yeah that okay. i know that i know you know wouldn't be appropriate for queensrike it just wouldn't mm. sound like queensrike so instead of me going trying to inject these ideas into a queensrike song or a record uh, forcefully just say this this is not in the style that queensrike would write this needs to be go somewhere else. And so, you know, vocally I was able to, to do things again, that were probably not fitting for a Queensryche song or album. And it, and it made me not care to feel like I have to, to, that I want to inject that into Queensryche. Like, Oh, I want to, I want to do this. Um, So because it was my own, it let me get everything everything out of my system at that time that i that i had no other way to do so it was it was important creatively and artistically and and to also show people hey i i i don't just sing like the queensryche style i don't right. you know i can do way more with my voice check this out you know but talking about uh, Queensryche then, because what, what I find very interesting, walking that line between what you've already done, but also uh, exploring new uh, areas of creativity, but then also, as, as you mentioned, uh, fans, especially when you're an established band, already have a notion of what type of music that you make or what, what they want to hear from you. That mm-hmm. balancing act, uh, and, and especially for a band like Queensryche, who's been so diverse over, over its 40 years, 
how do you make those decisions especially uh, let's just take the new album uh the latest album digital noise alliance as an example how do you kind of walk that line between doing what you guys in the band want but also making sure it's not too crazy for a queen's right album um i don't think that we've ever as a band come up with something and instead this is too out this is too crazy to put on the album um you know, Eddie writes a certain way, Michael writes a certain way, um, you know, and so when they bring musical ideas to the table, you know, it's with every bit of understanding that this is, this could go on the record. This could mm -hmm. be, you know, um, you know, they're not writing hip hop stuff. They're not writing country yeah. riffs. They're not writing black metal riffs or you know melodic death metal or anything that's it's rock hard rock some soft stuff and you know some metal stuff so it's all within the the boundaries of what Queensryche can okay. can do and totally get away with um so we've never really run into a situation like that okay i don't know if i answered your question no no you did because okay. i think that that sense of diversity in your music is embedded within the band so you have you have i, I would say a lot more space lot to explore yeah yeah and yeah. and so for instance if we take a, a song like tormentum uh, which uh, just had a new video release last week it's it's on the heavier side but it fits well with with the rest of what you do so if we take that song in particular what was the starting point how do, how does a song like that come together uh, I think that that song started with, um, let me see. I think it started out with uh, the when the band kicks in, digga 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 da da, digga 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 da da, bound, digga 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 da da. Michael had that. I think I don't remember if the intro. I don't remember if that was part of his original idea or if he added that later, but I remember um, there was a song that Casey had. Oh, no, that was Hold On. Yeah, so that started out with just that guitar riff, and then um, I started writing the melodies for the verse, and, you know, it kind of came together pretty quickly. And then when the musical parts started to happen, like like kind of in the middle, um, there's a part that goes... Um, is real music dying? What even is real music and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird and the deep questions. And we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. it's like in a seven time i had a riff um that i said to michael hey check this out and it was like 
seven seven. I think it went um. Then it went one two three four one two three one two three. So I reversed them, um, and so that whole that thing came from a thing that I had. Okay, that was like a prog guitar musical thing, and it was just kind of simplified more into. Just a straight seven time. So that section came up, and then you know this whole. My, then Michael picked up with this. Uh, you know, there's a drum part. And then you have this this big double solo. Um, sure. You know, but that song just started with Michael's guitar idea, and then. You know, Casey's throwing some drum things down, and then it's okay. Well, what do we want to do here? Where do we want to go with this? Oh, we'll make maybe we'll just make it a little musical section here because we haven't done that in a, quite a while. That's that's kind of how it's that one started. Yeah. So, and that's what one of the things I, uh, I was wondering when when it goes into that instrumental kind of uh, tail end. Is is that something you think about very very actively, or is it kind of okay? We just uh, see where the song song wants to go, and let's let's go there. See where the song feels that it needs to go, and mm -hmm. when you you've you've finished a part, you're like, okay, well, it needs to change here. We don't want to go back into this. We want to, you know, what can we do here that could be interesting? Oh, hey, Michael, so check this out. I have this guitar thing. And let me tell you the the time signatures. And if you if you like that, you know, if you want to tweak it or whatever. But yeah, we we listen to the song, and a lot of times the song will tell you, you know, kind of it needs to change, and mm -hmm. where where would it change? Would it you know the key change? Maybe this makes sense to go to this key change. Here's the root note, um, and. Do we want to change the time signature? Do we want to break it down into a quiet thing? Do you still want drums there? Like, what do we, let's experiment with things. So yeah, it's just, the song kind of guides you and, and you know when something needs to change. And, you know, we don't ever say, oh, it, you know, it has to have this musical section here. We're like, let's try different things and see what feels good. When generally does a theme come in? Because this song has a specific theme, I would say. It's kind of about the Geneva Convention, the way uh, Prisoners of War are treated and, and all of that. Um, when does something like that come into play? Um, so pretty early on, like once okay. there's yeah, the intro and, and then this verse kicks in, and then there's a little pre-chorus or, you know, and then into this chorus, I start coming up with vocal ideas. I want that to, you know, to poke out. So I don't want to sing over that. I remember we were, because it's a weird timing thing there too, mm -hmm. where the guitar in the next one goes, and I remember working with Michael on that guitar riff to be able to 
what's the pattern going to be to get out so mm. we come back down on the one. Um, I just start coming up with a melody and then I say, okay, what do I want to write about? What does this song make me feel? It's It's got this aggression. It, there's something to it. Um, how about this? And so I just come up with the idea. And a lot of times I will have the melody in my mind with the, the syllables, you know, and then I'll make the words fit the syllables that I feel mm. naturally came out. So if I'm working on something and I'll go, um, you know, when I did that, like, da -da 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 I know that I'm ending on an E. Mm. A, free, B, C, knees. Okay, <laughs> what am I going to talk about? So I'm talking about this person that's captured, terror down below, he buckles to his knees. So there's like this room down below and this guy's on his knees. And then, then it starts to, I start writing a bunch of lyrics. And I say, okay, how can I make this, um, this sentence with this idea fire in the hole to crack the secrecy? How can I, if that was longer, how can, how can I make the, the context of this fit within a similar pattern mm. with the syllables and still breathe and not be too wordy, but have like a, a memorable pattern. So a lot of times I will do that with my mouth. I'll mumble just random bullshit and then I'll come up with a concept and then I'll make the lyrics fit the phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's almost like the song slowly reveals itself to you. Like it's, it's slowly kind of, kind of coming to the forefront um, I mean, some, some of the stuff, some of the stuff, um, Robin is like some of the best stuff you ever write is very. It, it doesn't take long. Extreme it of consciousness like, type. Uh... Yeah, where it just flows, and you're like, "Damn, that's good." That just, and you just go. And there's other times where everything feels right musically, and you're like, oh, "I can't wait to." And then you just have the hardest time coming up with the lyrics or, you know, sometimes they could, it should just fight you to the end. And it seems like, you know, maybe you should just start all over and forget this whole idea of lyrically or vocally. And I'll break out my guitar and I'll play, I'll try to come up with a melody that's different. And maybe that will kickstart a better, a better flow of, writing hmm. but yeah that's that's how that's how that one started vocally was doing just what i told you no the, the, thank you for this breakdown because i'm always really interested in in how the songwriting yeah. process kind of goes it's, it's very interesting to me okay and with with that in mind then because we talked a, a little bit about um the video, or I mentioned the video earlier on, but it's a very interesting video. And I, I rarely talk about music videos because I prefer not to usually. But um, in this case, it's an AI-generated uh, uh, video. And AI has been kind of the topic of talk uh, these days. Yeah. And one of the mm -hmm. things that came up uh, in talking, especially with artists about AI, is that we that it wasn't expected, at least from the creatives, that, that AI would come for creative type of adventures first so what what are your thoughts and, and yours uh, yours uh, personally but also kind of the band's thoughts on where we're moving in in terms of ai and, and creativity sure so when this was presented to us hey um 
we were at a show in New York, I think, and someone that's with our record label was there and talked about these AI kind of videos that, that are made and it's kind of a new a newer thing. And well, how does it work? Well, they can kind of find images or, you know, it can create and find images and basically it's it's it kind of does this morphing of, mm. of the imagery and it's it's kind of interesting looking. It looks beautiful. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's different. Um and so we're like, oh, you know, can you send us a couple links of, of what has already been done? Get a feel for what it looks like. We saw that we're like, this is pretty cool. And you can also the so the company that that did ours, you know, the guy was like, hey, I was like, hey, I, I'm looking for this. He's like, oh well, I can actually film myself doing what you're asking, and it can basically take his image and morph it into this character that could be doing something. So if you didn't have, if it didn't exist where a particular, you know, somebody down on their knees doing a certain thing or whatever, he can create that. And mm -hmm. somehow the AI will use that imagery also to help create whatever. Right. I don't know much about it, but <laughs> so what I, what I think about it, creatively got there's so much to talk about um i think it's really interesting i think okay so for example i know that there's like ai assist in photoshop right and so there's a picture of you or whoever does you know and they want really badass hair for this shot. They're playing guitar and, you know, you can totally make somebody look however you want. Sure. If you were doing a band photo shoot and you're like, Hey, I want red leather pants, a black leather jacket with studs. I want, and I don't own these clothes. Let's say you don't own these clothes, mm -hmm. this wardrobe for a photo shoot. Cool. Don't worry. You could just wear, you know, regular pants and this and that. Next thing you know, you don't even need to like buy clothing for a photo shoot. You don't need to. So, every, and it can be passed off as really real. Sure. I mean, dude, there's a picture. There's a picture of me with the guys from Armored Saint for their, I was a part of their documentary film. And so mm. I flew to, to L.A. And there's a picture of me and Phil, the, one of the, the guitar player, one of them. And he's wearing like a black leather jacket and like a plaid kind of a shirt. I had all black on. And next thing I know, I see online from, I think he posted it. And it's a picture of me and him in front of the poster for the movie. And we're both wearing like tuxes. Like with a bow tie, like it looks totally real, dude. I mean, I've zoomed in; <laughs> it looks it looks a hundred percent real. As we're talking throughout this interview, I'll find the picture and I'll show you, and you'll be like, "Holy crap!" Um, it looked as I'm just talking. I'm looking at my phone for it. Sure, no it worries. looked 
it looked so real and it was like and i was gonna message and be like dude how did you how did you do that so i think that it has its advantages but at the same time if anybody can just put on clothes that they never really had it kind of just takes away like when you see somebody that's really creative and artistic fashion, right. you know, they're, they're fat. They're like, wow, that anybody can just go, I want to look like that. And then they just, you know, next thing you know, they, they're dressed like that. They didn't have to really put it together. They didn't have to go find the unique clothing that fit them that, you know, so yeah, it could be to an artist advantage, but when everybody has access to this, fake sure. kind of thing it's like you don't really know what is real anymore and what's and what's not real and for me that i don't like that um i've been seeing these mashups of like what well, there's something recently james hetfield sings mm, uh, right what was the one that they did and then after i heard it, i was like yeah the beginning sounds like him but then it goes into these higher registers that he doesn't sound like and there was a vibrato on it that doesn't sound like him and you're like yeah it's not you know I, I think that people need to be careful I think that if it if if it can create music you know my wife and I were talking about this recently you know if it could create music in the style like let's say that AI could say hey AI learn the first five Queensryche albums, right? And gather every bit of information you can from each record of those records, let's say, and then spit out something that doesn't exist from the best records that people think were made from any band. doesn't matter who. Next thing you know, you've got music and mm -hmm. maybe it creates a vocal melody as an artist, you could be like, I would have never written this. This is amazing. So there has to be technology and some safeguard in place that maybe it filters and runs through where it says, hey, there's an embedded information that knows that this was created with artificial intelligence. And you cannot claim this as your own original piece of work. Um, yeah, I, th I think otherwise... that's. Oh, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but th th I think that's that's definitely important because I can't remember what it was, but I heard a. They took the voice of a politician and made him say something, and it just sounds like it's real. So if, if when that becomes indistinguishable from from what is real, then it, it becomes a bit scary. But that, not I, only I, not only hmm. that, but when it sounds real and then you see him a little bit of a distance like this, maybe it's a world leader, mm. not right here. Maybe they're back here and I'm saying things and it looks like my, it looks like the real person saying we are going to wage war against Islam. We're going to wage war against the right. West. We're going to wage war against you. And, and people are going to look and, and then they're going to say, he said that. And there could be so much damage before. Now you're trying to clean up the mess. That never Even if you retract it, the damage is already done oftentimes. 
Well, the, I mean, there would be nothing to retract. You would have to just say, this is not authentic. Right. And at that point, at least in the U.S., I don't know what it's like over there, but people already justify sure. ridiculous shit that is real. I, th I think that's you know? that's true everywhere where there's internet. Yeah, I that's mean, true, like, I think. You say, oh, he said, this person said that. Well, that's not what he meant. Or... You know, there's all this justification for things that are actually said that are not mm. good. Now, can you imagine horrible, like, faked things? I mean, it could be you could have um, a celebrity thing turned into, like, a, an inappropriate video. Sure. And somebody and somebody claims something and you're like, that's that's. That's, you know, this, a woman could say, that's not me. And you say, well, look at the video you did. Right. This. Right. And now this woman is shamed publicly for something she didn't do. But when it looks, it's when your eyes see what they see and you're convinced, it's really hard to unconvince somebody. Yeah. And, and when the technology can be so convincing, it, like you said, how do you distinguish what's real and what's not real. The only way you could do that is if there's information within that, whatever it is, just like there's metadata in right. photographs, videos, you know, there's, there's things in there that, you know, a computer scientist could tear that thing apart and say, here's the origin of this. This is the equipment that it was created on. This is the day and time and blah, 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 blah. But who wants to go through all that when right. you've already been accused of being, a, you know, a pedophile or a rapist or a thief or sure. a racist or whatever, anything bad? So that that can be really scary. The one thing AI can't do is replace a live performance. Okay, you can have a hologram. Well, it looks real, but it's not real. And right. people like to know that. I'm watching Robin play his piano or his keyboard in real. This is the real guy. And no matter how simulated something could seem, human beings, you know, we, we understand that human connection. Um, and I don't think AI is going to be able to do that. But it kind of sucks where AI... could. There was a thing on, on a guy's channel... Um, and it was talking about AI and it's a, a guy named Rick Beato and he was talking about AI and this whole Drake thing, mm. you know, uh, he's like this rap guy, whatever, but he's like really famous and probably has tons of money, whatever. But there was a fake, there was an AI of this artist and it was, it was said that way. People like some people were saying they like the AI artist better than the real artist and what right. it produced. That's scary. You know? Yeah. But I, I mean, think you do make a really good point that, that the human connection element will, will never be replaced. It's, it's, it's impossible yeah. to, to do that artificially. Yep. So, but yeah, I should, I should mention we, we can talk hours about this subject. It's very interesting, but, um, Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. You're welcome.